Hello and welcome to the second installment of the Headphone Dialogue. I am your host Ofenlicht and joining me today are Metal571, Mad Economist and a very special guest, Lochlan from Lochlan Likes a Thing. Um, well, let's move on to the flagships that are priced even higher than the HDA20. Um, we have uh, an influx of headphones that are far into the four-digit numbers with, you know, ranging around 4,000 US dollars with the uh, Focal Utopia, the LCD 4 from Odyssey, and, uh, well, you can maybe count the Abyss to it as well. I don't know for sure. It's kind of an oddball headphone, but we, we do have even more expensive headphones out there that are definitely flagship pieces with, you know, the two examples, the LCD 4. Although there's I think a the SR09S at uh, current exchange rates is also yeah. about there. True, true. That one as well. And you don't you do need an electrostatic amp for that one additionally. So that's an even bigger investment if you don't have one already. So if we take those three headphones, what what do you guys think of those? Just real quick, starting at, you know, if you've heard them starting with uh with uh metal maybe. Uh, I can't speak for the 009S. I'm not sure how different that is from the regular 009, though I he have heard the original 009, so I can talk about that briefly. Um, so that, that headphone definitely kind of redefined uh, treble detail for me, and I kind of tend to use the term um, e-stat-like treble now to refer to the way the 009 uh, represents treble. It's really really clean and fast and that's like basically defines what fast is so uh despite costing uh, is it still five thousand dollars the 009s around there i don't know if that's i think it depends same. a lot on the exchange rate i think okay. that it was intended to be around there but um but it fluctuates I think it's, a bit i think it's like 3700 right now okay yeah but um i mean considering that that's the flagship i guess you could say of the of actually i think it is officially kind of the marketed also as the flagship of stacks um i think it solidifies its place pretty well uh, but again like uh often said you have to you have to have an energizer for that you can't just plug into a, a standard amplifier so that it adds a little bit more expense is something to think about um so the Odyssey LCD4, I think a lot of people who have watched my videos are probably going to know what i'm going to say about this one um, I really, really like that headphone. In fact, if I had to pick one open back uh, favorite uh, while we were talking about favorites, um, that would be my personal favorite because it, it combines the, the darker Odyssey signature um, quite well with, as I was saying, a quite Estat-like sounding treble um, in terms of detail and quality rather than uh, brightness. So that's, that's, my, uh, that's my personal favorite. I've heard that headphone uh, twice now as well and then we have the utopia and uh, did we mention the susvara i can't remember um i don't oh, think no, we did but i was i was gonna interject that the other one yeah um i've heard those two briefly um not for an appreciable amount of time but i will say um those two uh my when i walked away from that setup at can jam uh, listening to the utopian Sisfara back to back was interesting because i felt like it was the first time where the music um 
the, the recording quality of the music was legitimately one of the larger limiting factors of the quality that the headphone could produce rather than a headphone technical uh, deficiency, which was really interesting. And I never experienced that before other than maybe the 009 is pretty close to having that quality as well. So uh, I'll let you guys talk now about the flagships as well. Right. How about Lachlan next? Uh... So it was the 009, we're talking about the 009S, the Utopia, and the Sasvara. Uh, yeah, the, and the LCD4. 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 Yeah. And I guess if anyone uh, here has heard it, the Abyss. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it's yeah. kind of a lot more. Uh, and then there's the um, Sonoma, I would say. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Uh, Although I have, yeah. Oh, and the D8000, how much is that? <laughs> uh, I think that will come out. Is that is that out yet? I think it's the supposed to be year. like yeah, it's out. yeah, yeah. I seen it in Hong Kong. Uh, I didn't have a listen foolishly, but um, definitely That's seen it a in Hong Kong. It's really interesting technically. I think it's supposed to be thirty five hundred or four thousand, but I'm not sure. Right. right. Um, yeah. As far as the 009 S, I only heard it for about twenty minutes uh, because we arranged a special demo for a customer who wanted to compare the um, the 009 and the 009 S. Uh, I remember being impressed, but in a sense, uh, I wasn't, as the price increases, my sort of expectation sort of goes up higher. And, and in that sense, I wasn't blown away in the same way that I was blown away when I first heard the L700, because for me, the L700 is one of my sort of dream openbacks uh, in terms of having that really ethereal kind of floaty treble response and quite a... Uh, very very fast quite tight uh bass response uh, and the 009s it still had those same qualities of course but i couldn't really put a finger on how it was dramatically different from the l700 that said i didn't have them side by side so maybe if i could listen to them at the same time i would be like okay now i see now i see why this one is uh, uh several times the price um is it several times the price? I, I don't even know anymore. Uh, uh, compared to L700? Yeah, yeah. I think the L700 is around 1200 bucks. Don't not completely sure. Like around there, like a little over a thousand US dollars. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and and um and I find the L700 actually more comfortable for me because I wear glasses, and I found that when you have a uh, the the narrower the headphone is in sort of width, the better it works my glasses mm -hmm. in general so um that was my take on the 009s as far as the utopia goes i actually haven't had a long enough listen to that uh it's good i i i suspect if i put it against the clear i may like the clear more just because the treble response is a little more tamed and i tend to prefer that but again i haven't had those side by side i really should as far as the lcd ah, four z Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would. Oh, I've actually only really heard the four Z, not the, not the four. Well, that's fine. Uh, it's, it's still yeah. kind of the same tier, um, right? And I would sort of completely agree with Metal. Is uh, apart from the um, L seven hundred, that's my other sort of dream headphone to own, uh, because it's just like dark chocolate. Like it's, it's, it's just listening to it. Just that richness of sound and the depth of kind of bass. Um, but it has compared to my LCD two C. Uh, it has more vibrancy in the vocals. That said, I don't 
I it's it's almost it's about four times the price, and I don't think of it as mm. four times better. Right, Isn't sure. it five it's actually? That's about five. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking the 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 um, XC is it? Uh, that's the close one. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, um, the other one that's like the LCD four. But it's the studio oh the version. MX4 is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that's funny, Lachlan. You mentioned that because uh, you're not the only reviewer who has an LCD 2C right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm falling for yeah. myself too. Man, so maybe you want to talk. Uh, have you actually heard the Hypermind flagship? Because usually you are more of a Hypermind person, so maybe you can chime in on that one. Uh, I actually. Strangely enough, haven't heard most of the flagships mentioned. I actually have never even managed to find myself with an SRO or 9, which is something that I'm really sad about. I have spent quite a while with the Utopia, um, which I found to be like a really interesting headphone, actually. It's... I don't know. I'm probably going to cut slightly against the grain here, but I found it to be a very impressive headphone to listen to. I think it's probably the headphone that when I've had other people listen to it, it's been one of the fastest to get a good impression just from everyone from music lovers to body files, normal people. But I think it's also probably the headphone that for me most distinctly highlighted um, how I didn't feel that price scaled to quality as much. Like uh, I think both metal and lachlan have you know sort of had an experience of something where the, the, the really high end thing was you know very good uh, metal is saying you know the limiting limited by the quality of the recording for me i felt like you know i mean that's there's always some of element of that and it's definitely a fantastic headphone it's one of the the best that i've heard but it also felt oddly to me almost you know i, I would put it in in the same category as the hd 800 is something that's fantastically transparent it's you know, extremely well balanced for the signature it's looking for, but I, do I think it's you know more a flagship? To me, they seem you know if if you had given me the two of them without telling me the prices, I would have thought that they maybe that either could have been the four thousand dollar one, except maybe for the build where I think uh, the focals shine a bit more. All right, so it's a bit surprising to me. So what I've generally just heard here is that. Um, Flagships are headphones that we all consider to be impressive in a sense, you know, that all show off a certain type of actually technical ability or, or some sort of um, very unique characteristic. But it doesn't mean that we necessarily prefer the flagship to maybe other headphones of the same manufacturer, which uh, I think is very interesting. Whereas like people or maybe the company would hope that people think the flagship headphone is the best headphone that they make. But it actually isn't the headphone that people in our subsection, at least, prefer. So, uh, in yeah. that sense, um, flagship is it like sort of maybe, in a sense, their marketing just to make people think that it's actually better than than the other headphones that they also make the same manufacturer, like that they just choose arbitrarily. A headphone to say, well, this is going to be our flagship, and this one's going to be what we say is better than our other products. <laughs> That's um, well. I think Focal is a is a really interesting one there because they have now several headphones that are sort of all in a similar style of voicing to the um, 
to the utopia. You know, they have the clear, the elex, and the utopia. Um, and do they have another one yet? I, I recall I saw one that had a different color scheme, but that might just be the clear pro. Um, and I'd be really interested to see if you sat just a bunch of people down, you know, they should all feel pretty similar on the head and just did some preference tests, see which people really would like more. Cause I think I know some people who preferred the Lex to the Utopia. Yeah, for sure. You know, I sat down, um, at one local meet, uh, recently that, uh, we had the Allure and the clear right next to each other, actually, which was really unusual. Uh, to find, I guess this guy had bought both and was trying to decide. Um, and yeah, I agree with 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 Mad. Uh, they are incredibly similar um, in the signature that they're going for. So that creates a, a interesting um, <laughs> kind of almost like a paradox of choice because you've got yeah now it's the Alir, the Clear, and the Alex in there. And um, yeah, you need you need a lot of impressions from from people, and it's very difficult to get those three in the same room to just evaluate in order to decide. So, Lachlan, in many days, do you have do you have like customers that come in that just uh, want to hear the most expensive headphone of a certain company, or the, the most expensive headphone that you have in stock? Like, we we rarely have a customer come in and say i want to hear the most expensive one in in those specific words uh they'll come in with an idea of i want to listen i, I want to listen to this uh headphone and then generally speaking they won't want to move too far out of that price band unless uh you know un un unless uh we we sort of point out to them that there might be something a lot better uh, either on either side. Right. Um, I, I generally, you, you do get like, and I find this with Sennheiser most of all, you do get customers who, who come in and they want to stay within a manufacturer, um, so. which is sort of surprising to me. I guess in a sense, but uh, I guess a lot of them they come in and maybe it's their uh, first high-end headphone, and I, and I, I honestly was surprised because this is one of the one of the first things that I that that I noticed uh, working at the store, which I didn't think would be a trend, where you'd, you'd customers who who were prepared to spend a great deal but weren't entirely too confident about like they hadn't done the same kind of like geeky sort of uh listening to everything and and they tend to fall back within a few manufacturers because they know their names they know the companies and they feel confident and that's fair enough because a lot of the um top manufacturers also have the best sort of after sale support and and that sort of thing so they feel more confident when they buy the product that uh it won't have problems later on down the line or anything like that uh but i, I sort of forgotten the original question uh well oh, yeah yeah do they do they come in and and, and yeah. ask for the most no no generally generally speaking people aren't sort of that they'll they'll they'll, they'll ask for a product which is the most expensive in that right. line but they won't ask for just show me whatever is the most expensive well but you do i, I think it's, it's interesting you do mention the the brand loyalty within the headphone community it's like that people kind of find their their favorite brand and stay within that brand so um what about, I have like, I'm just going to put that theory out there. Maybe 
or it's not it's not even that that out, outrageous of a theory maybe manufacturers just uh create new new flagships these days to keep people that are loyal to their brand um to to keep giving them something that they can you know kind of aspire to owning or you know, look look forward to owning something new something more expensive for people that are already within that brand maybe the the reason we've seen flagships uh, being released um in recent years with increasing price tags is just uh that that brands have found out well we have we've got all these people that are loyal to our brand um that you know that maybe we can create a new price bracket that is uh significantly higher than we previously had um which now brings us to where we are today with these new flagships around four thousand dollars plus minus depending on you know what what you talk about five so, six five six yeah. yeah depending on which manufacturer but um is it something that you know why do you think um we see these increasing prices in flagships um yeah Lachlan, can you can you can definitely give your oh, opinion yeah. as, well, as well well um it's it's sort of funny because it i think it's i think it would be naive to say that uh you know the price is not a signal by the manufacturer and and they aren't you know definitely they are creating sort of marketing or customer journeys uh and i think that like again I, i bring up the hd820 and that kind of ideal customer scenario where someone has the hd800 and they sort of go okay i want something that's closed now because i want to be able to listen to music when other people are around um well i, I would say like again uh, it would also be sort of too cynical to say that there aren't accompanying whenever the and obviously the market is moving up in price there do seem to be kind of process technology or innovation uh you know improvements uh debatable to what degree but even with the 820 you 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 could go you know there was a fair degree of uh fair degree of research into how to create that sort of concave piece of glass and the acoustic uh, absorber chambers and how to maintain a sense of openness in a closed headphone uh but it's debatable i guess across manufacturers and even across headphone lines how much of that uh price increase is is due to that you know that kind of treadmill of price increase and how much of it is actually due to some kind of innovation i mean uh i i think there are some spaces where we're seeing a lot of a lot of improvement um i would say with wireless or noise cancelling headphones uh, and in closed closed flagship headphones i think that that seems to be the new battleground for the companies i would say with open open flagship headphones i'm not really seeing a huge increase in sort of innovation or or process technology uh to go along with this price increase that's still happening in that side of things but i and iems that's sort of like a maybe as well for me um so it's sort of interestingly patchy uh, if you don't mind me just sort of interjecting with some undergrad econ here uh, there's an interesting effect called the veblen effect which i always think about when um i look at how headphone prices are going these days basically for most goods as prices rise we see people's demand drop off but veblen goods are those for which when they get more expensive they're more in demand the usual example is expensive cars and clothing um i think it's 
pretty hard to argue that headphones aren't an example. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's very expensive that's kind of in demand to some degree because it's the only thing in a price category. I think you can probably say that was true of the original uh, SR Omega, for example. But it's interesting that sort of uh, companies do seem to definitely try to bring something to bear along with, you know, if people want you to raise your prices effectively, you know, if there, there's more demand when you raise your prices, it's interesting to see what companies try to do with the new options that gives them, you know, like the A A20, I think I heard they completely re-engineered the entire housings um, like polymer because they wanted to reduce the weight or something uh, because they needed to add the glass and things like that, you know, maybe they don't necessarily quite equate to the price increase. But if you think about it from the other perspective, that from the company's perspective, it almost looks like customers want you to raise your prices. And then you have to go back to say, you know, what can we, what does that allow us to do for them? It's sort of an interesting reframing. And I think at least for me, it's contextualized a lot of the things that always sort of can seem a bit strange on the face of it, like going for more premium materials when nobody was complaining about them before or the like. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting perspective from somebody, you know, obviously that isn't manufacturing headphones as you are. But um, uh, I do agree. I think it's it's customer demand in, that's driving prices up. And we have to, you know, consider different markets than maybe the markets that we're used to in the West uh, with, be it, be it uh, Europe, uh, be it the United States, be it Australia. Um, or New Zealand, um, but uh, there's markets in Asia that operate completely differently, especially when it comes to pricing policy. You know that that we we need to consider when and companies do consider when creating new headphones. But um, not to cut it, uh, not to cut into the discussion, uh, Matt uh, Metal, do you uh, do what do you see you know happening in the future with with uh, prices and flagship headphones? You know, I actually have a question for Mad here. Um, do you think that um, this actually goes for all you guys? But um, I wanted to see what Mad would say about it from an econ perspective. Do you think that the multi-kilobuck market um, was essentially basically created um, on on their own by these these manufacturers, or what do you think about the history of that that market? Because I know that there were some multi-kilobuck headphones in existence before, you know, kind of like the boom that started around the HD 800. But um, do you think that that market has kind of been essentially created and more open to the masses now? Well, I think, I mean, like, to some degree, I kind of think that if you look at how people were operating before the HD 800 came out, um, I kind of think that you could almost say that manufacturers just sort of realized the market was there. As said, I think I'm really strong in my opinion that a lot of high-end headphone prices are based on the Veblen effect, which again is not in any way to be a negative statement. I just think that there there is a desire for a really expensive headphone that people are saying, you know, come on and meet me with what you can deliver for this. And if you look back, you know, before the HG800, you see people paying for, uh, you know, like $400 cups on Biodynamics or something that was a thing for a while or you know, they're very expensive aftermarket cable modifications uh, that I remember there was a fad of that, you know, back in like the maybe just after the headwise days. So and I mean, of course, still is, but, you know, that more it was more dominant in the high end price space. So I think with the 800, with the LCD2, with, you know, the the early start of the kilobuck headphones in this era, you know, after the after the uh, the R10 and stuff from the 80s. 
we're kind of seeing manufacturers wake up to the fact that people are are interested in spending this much money on headphones and try to bring what they can to the people who have a, you know to fill that slot of demand you know with what what they can they can offer and you know some of them do better than others obviously at, you know being attractive there but i think that was a market that's kind of existed at least for as long as people have really wanted to spend money on headphones okay yeah that's a that's a good way of uh, summarizing it i as far as my opinion goes i can't really predict the future it seems like we're seeing a huge amount of announcements, um, especially this year lately, of uh, the kilobuck and multi kilobuck, and it seems like there's less activity. I mean, maybe around, um, maybe around the mass drop pricing level, um, there's been a lot of models there, but I don't see a whole lot. You know, maybe between if I had to paint it three hundred to seven or eight hundred activity there, and I'd, I'd like to see. I'd like to see more activity there in you know what people classically determine as mid-fi, um, especially new products, um, and that's that's been something that I would like to see. But it seems like the current trend is, of course, um, and and very recently high-end closed backs, which is pretty interesting. So I never thought that would be the direction we're going, but it seems like multi-kilobuck in general is is around what's coming out right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely here to stay. Um, I don't think we will, we're going to go back down with prices in the, in the flagship headphones. I don't know if we can go higher. I don't know for sure. It, I think it probably depends on you know how the market develops and what kind of innovation in headphones we get. But um, we, we do have established some pretty expensive headphones um, that definitely offer very, very specific qualities and that there's a market for them. But um, on the same, in the same vein, a lot of them don't really hold their value that well on the aftermarket when you compare it to the MSRP, I think, which is kind of interesting. You know, buying an, a, a Utopia at MSRP, you, you kind of lose $1,500 immediately just if you spend the $4,000 at some store. And, uh, you know, does that indicate that there's maybe like a little bit of inflated pricing going on? Or is that just, uh, you know, with considering hygiene and headphones in general, it's just something that that is a that you would consider a normal um, depreciation with high end headphones? Well, Blochlin, do you have any? Uh, uh, I mean, on that specific question of of depreciation, I think it's pretty normal for a luxury good um, to depreciate very rapidly, like in the same way luxury cars sort of depreciate because the the market, you know, in a sense, the, the people who are buying these things are not, they are in a lot of senses status objects and you're not buying secondhand status symbols, you know, um, to, for, a, for a lot of, you know, I'm not saying that applies for everyone, of course, um, but I think, yeah, they they do tend to they do tend to, to drop off rapidly in price because of that. I, I think, um, in, in relation to the the general question about the price trend of the headphones, I, I think there's a couple of things going on there, where you have number one, headphones are very emotional uh, purchase, and I see for a lot of people there's a sort of fear of missing out, right? Literally, like I, I think that they 
that they they go, okay, this is a $1,500 headphone. It's a $3,000 headphone. There's no way that the $1,500 headphone is as good as the $3,000. So if the, if the manufacturer is offering tops out at $1,500, then it sort of sends the signal that they don't feel as confident about their, their headphones that they can put them up against um, that. And I, and I think yeah. the, the case study, again, which is sort of interesting, yeah. is the, the HD820 where I, I think, uh, in a sense, like what Mad was saying, was, was the company recognized there's money on the table now. And it would be sort of, you know, you wouldn't, it'd almost be foolish in a sense for them not to increase the price um, to match their competitors, because otherwise people come into the store and go, well, I don't see why, like if it's not as, it doesn't cost as, as much as the manufacturers, their competitors, what does that say about the headphone? So, you know, you could, you could say, oh, the 820 should be the same price as the 800S, but you could also say maybe the 800S where Sennheiser would like to see the pricing is that the 800S were the same price as the 820, but they couldn't necessarily find um, a way to make that smooth ramp up in price from the 800 to the 800S to the 820 uh, when they were introducing the models. Or maybe at the time when they released the 800S, they thought that that was that was already quite a high price. And then they realized that the market was actually moving faster than that. And I think the other thing that's happening as um, um, Ofen has, has suggested is that there is a huge impact from the East Asian market at this point. Um, just, just speaking from the perspective of just working at a headphone store in Australia, which is sort of in the kind of intermediary between the um, the Asia Pacific markets and sort of the, the Western markets. I think, um, considering the kind of urban density of those territories where, you know, usually I think if you have a lot of money and you're into headphones, uh, in, in some Western markets, you have, you have a big house, you have room to play with speakers, right? And so that's where your money's going. But in, uh, Asian markets, that's not the case. Even if you have a lot of money. You don't have a great deal of living space. And when you look at, like, when we look at these headphone pricings, uh, when we look at headphone pricing, we think it's quite spectacular at the moment. But when you look at high-end speakers, headphone pricing is nothing. It's, it's. Yeah, that's true. That's an exceptionally good point. Yeah. If, if I, if I was in the same sort of audiophile market, um, but I just didn't have the room, uh, it would be it would it wouldn't be quite a stretch for me to 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 pop in and if i was you know if i could afford a the grand utopia speakers you know i could afford every single flagship headphone on the market today um yeah and i and i think in general uh yeah uh, even when you look at how much more popular earphones seem to be in asia compared to in say the us because of things like humidity and heat and the available space and generally speaking a lot of markets where people don't want to be particularly obtrusive but they do want something that costs a lot and they do want something that sounds good so they are prepared to spend multi-kilo bucks on high-end any earphones if uh, that is by the way i think it's really great to raise the point of you know different 
categories of audio products all sort of possibly following the same trend. I, I think speakers are a really good indication of where headphones could go in the long term. I just sort of wanted to, if you wouldn't mind, just weave back to where Open started us on the used market, because he, he suggested something that I've kind of subjectively noticed, but I hadn't thought about much. Do we do we know if there's, you know, I mean, no, but do we, do we have a, a strong feeling that some high-end headphones hold their used value substantially better than others? Because I think, like, we all agree we'd expect it to drop quite a bit because they're a luxury good. But some of them definitely do seem to me like they hold their value in the used market better than others relative to what they're usually purchased for new. And I'm kind of curious about what that implies. So which uh, what, are, what are some examples of, the, of those headphones that are you talking about that, that hold their value, you know, you know, comparatively well? Well, I mean, I think, and it's hard for me to find two that are at exactly the same price point where I've observed this, but, you know, like, I think for a long time, the Sennheiser HD 800, you know, for a long time while it was selling for south of $1,200, um, was still in the used market at maybe seven or $800. So it was being discounted by maybe 25%, 30%. Um, simultaneously, you know, you'd see things like, LCD twos, I think, around that time were maybe being discounted by maybe 30, 35%. And then when Focal dropped the Utopia, that was in the used market going down by, you know, 40%, 45%. Um, the, 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 so the question I'm floating here, though, is I, you know, I, I can't say I have a market sample here. This is just sort of when I've eyeballed the used listings and been like, ooh, that's interesting. That's what I noticed. But I'm kind of wondering, is it just a bias on my part? or do Because do, some things do definitely, at least to me, seem like they hold their value better than others. But I'm, I'm curious as to whether that's just a bias on my part or, or if, we've, you know, if there's any consensus between us on that one. I think there's some 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 good examples for this. I think the, actually the stacks, the SR009 is a fairly decent example because I think it does hold its value a lot better than other uh, flagship headphones. But I think the reason for that is that uh, you, in oftentimes, often in, in a lot of cases, you have to import it from Japan, which would drive the price up for some countries and, you know, um, definitely decreases availability, which would increase uh, price or at least, you know, increase demand and therefore the, the, the price that people can take for a used one but then again i think what i observed with the utopia was just a, a really rapid rapid depreciation on the used market uh, which is, it coincided with you know discounts on new products or like new products um that you know further push the prices down on this one even more so i think even quicker than the lcd4 which when it first released, I think hold, held its value a little better. I think I saw that selling on the used market for well closer to three thousand dollars, maybe than two thousand dollars, which which you saw fairly rapidly emerging to be like the direction the Utopia was heading on the used market. But um, do, do you have any do you have any observations like that, Matt? Um, metal, I mean, sorry. Well, although I've known to you know frequent the the used market on some forums. Um, I think I, I do agree that perhaps you could say that there are some iPhones, to use a, a phone analogy, um, of the used market of headphones, aka headphones that hold their value more. I mean, I when I bought the HD 800, it was around 975, I think it was. So 
what Matt is saying is definitely, uh, definitely true. It seems to be hovering something between 600 and 800, even to this day. Um, but uh, one other thing that I wanted to interject here is um, I think that the prices on the used market is also affected by um, when there are mass drop specials that happen, um, that can sometimes drive the price down because of the, the, the nature of the way that that works. Um, I would expect, I actually haven't checked this lately, but I would expect the 650 is probably going for cheaper than it used to as well now. Um, for example, you know, because of the 6XX coming on the, on the, on the mass drop market as well. So I think that may have an impact, um, but I, I definitely noticed, I agree with everyone here. I, I definitely noticed some headphones hold their, hold their value better. Um, exactly why uh, it seems to be a variety of factors though. It's, it's definitely going to be a, Interesting to see what's coming because there's a lot of lot of stuff coming. Do you guys, uh, would, what's like something that you would be looking forward to in terms of flagship headphones? Uh, in oh. terms of stuff that's announced, or in terms of like potential things that could exist? Both. Let's say both. One for each. Oh Jesus! <laughs> All right, then just toss this to someone else. No. All right. No, no, that just of what's announced. I'll, I'll, I'll say um, as far as what could potentially uh, be, I'd like to see uh, because now you know we have this trend. Um, whether this is going to happen or not, I don't know. But it would be nice to see you know again more innovation um, now that we have so now that we have a you know a market. Well, as Matt said, the market probably already existed, but now that the manufacturers are taking advantage of this this multi kilobuck market. Um, I feel like they can easily uh, funnel more money into into R and D and maybe come up with some really interesting new stuff uh, that's that's designed. I mean, for example, Odyssey already takes I think it's two weeks or something like that, two and a half weeks to make the drivers or the diaphragms, and more particular, I believe, on the LCD four because it's so thin. Um, so, you know, because that headphone is $4,000, they can get away with things like that. And I'd like to see if we're going to keep going in this, <laughs> in this direction, in terms of price, um, it'd be great to see additional innovation follow with it. Uh, so I guess we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, definitely would like to see more innovation, different things, especially in the closed spec market. But um, had, oh sorry go yeah ahead. no go ahead go ahead having had a moment to reconstruct my thoughts there sorry <laughs> I wasn't expecting such a hot one there my bad um, my bad I think that in sort of the direct thing you know the the stuff that is announced that we're excited about I'm actually kind of interested in I don't know I guess I would call it you know sort of the accessories that are that are useful to headphones that are, like uh, specifically uh, the thing I'm thinking about here is something that doesn't really have a category yet but the Smith Realizer. Um, it's not in itself a flagship headphone, but I don't think you'd probably pair a, a now $4,000, uh, DAC amp with DSP with something that's, you know, that's not a flagship headphone typically. And I think that that sort of stuff like that, that's taking advantage of the amount that people are apparently willing to pay and are able to pay and are happy to pay for, for good quality, uh, is what's really kind of exciting to me. The potential for a lot of avenues of research that, you know, just wouldn't have been viable in a, in a time when 
you know, people are going to only pay a maximum of two or $300 for headphones. There's just some, some routes you can't go down. And I think if speakers are any example, and I think Lachlan made a very good point earlier, they make a very good comparison point. We're going to keep seeing, you know, as, as prices rise and as this, the high end market fills out to distinct themselves, manufacturers are going to be having to do a lot of really interesting research, which hopefully will, will ultimately become available to all of us as consumers in things I'm personally really excited about digital signal processing and headphone personalization, but that's just one dimension. Um, we're also seeing things like the return of um, free field headphones, like um, the Austrians uh, MySphere, which oh, I yeah. think was, was not viable for a long time, or at least wasn't seen as viable for a long time, but that sort of stuff, people who are willing to push the limits and who have now the budget to take the risk to do so is what I'm really quite excited about. I want to add to what Mad said uh, by saying that I think that with all this research that's now becoming viable, um, I'd, I'd like to see you know some of this technology potentially trickle down, you could say, into the, the mid-fi offerings, for example, because the company is able to do you know independent research and advance just their technology as a whole um, so, for example, instead of built to a price, you know, built to whatever they can do. Um, and because they're able to do that at the high end, then they can use some of that technology, you know, to uh, to bring that down in price. And that would be something that I'm also looking forward to. Yeah. Anything that you're looking forward to in particular, Lachlan? Well... Um, and I, I should probably point out, because it's funny that this isn't, hasn't come up, considering how common this theme is, but uh, I should probably point out that a lot of people sort of don't regard this this trend in pricing as a positive thing. Like, well, a lot of people feel very negative about it. And, and in a way, you could say, um, you know, it's a bit like, on the one hand, it's a bit like complaining that Ferraris are too expensive or something like that. But uh, I think it really depends on, whether or not people see that there is that trickle down, as Metal was saying, that, that trickle down effect where you have uh, innovations that are first market tested in sort of the flagship Halo products where price is no object and then they sort of become mass commercialized in the cheaper models. Uh, I think that the exciting trend for me is as Matt is suggesting with sort of wireless or DSP enabled headphones. And, and it seems to be the thing that, that the two go hand in hand where you have the wireless and because you have the inbuilt, um, the, the Bluetooth module and the inbuilt amplifier in the headphone, then you may as well do a DSP because you can make it, you could tune it better. And, and, and I'm really interested to see whether or not does that become the dominant trend uh, and or will it always be the case that there will be the people who are really into high-end headphones are going to be purists and they're never going to want that DSP and they're never going to accept a, a multi-kilobuck headphone that has that has that kind of technology. Um, and, I, and I think the sort of interesting comparison is with speakers where we have the super high-end exotic speakers and then we have Sonos, which is the sort of mass consumer, but sort of high quality mass consumer option 
um, which I would equate with where we're seeing sort of wireless headphones move. And I, and I think one of the interesting examples also is the Bayer Dynamic um, Amaron wireless, where you, you have that wireless headphone and you run through a little app and it does a little listening test and then it produces a uh, sound profile that saves to the headphone. And I think that that, I mean, it's not a perfect headphone, but I think it points away towards uh, whether or not we'll start seeing headphones that cost several thousand dollars that uh, that that have all those DST kind of whiz bang effects. So that's I'm I'm not necessarily keen on myself personally buying one of those. Maybe I'm a bit of a purist that way, but I am really keen to see whether the market does move in that direction. Something coming from speakers that I'm kind of interested to see if uh, an analog evolves to is, you know, in speakers, we have high-end, very premium, very exotic passive speakers, and we have, you know, uh, consumer-oriented wireless and other, you know, Sonos equivalent speakers. But there's also a lot of studio monitors that are active speakers or even DSP-equipped that sort of exist both as high-end you know, targeted to, to high-end listening and high fidelity directly, and also incorporate a lot of technologies. In headphones, the only analogs I can think to that uh, are the Sonoma Model 1 and the AKG N90Q, because those are the only two explicitly audiophile-targeted headphones I know that had DSP. And I'm not, I'm not sure how successful they've been, but I think that everyone's kind of going to be watching that sort of thing. Because the potential there is really exciting from the manufacturer's standpoint, being able to have both the cost is no object design and the ability to play with all the technologies without worrying as much about purism. I think it'll be interesting to see if, if that sort of niche develops in headphones as well. Um, I, I, I want to jump in here and, and, and also bring up to that point. Um, I, I've had people come in who are music producers and they they mentioned very specifically that they want an Odyssey because of Sonarworks, where the manufacturers are releasing profiles that hook into the, uh, the, I don't exactly know how it works. I never tried it myself, but it's a DSP that you run on your computer that applies to the headphone. And it's, so is it Sonarworks or Reveal? Because Sonarworks yeah, has is... a, has a Reveal plugin as well that is designed to equalize each headphone to supposedly a similar target curve. But yeah, both of those are pretty much the same technology. Well, Sonarworks does some pretty unique and interesting things. Probably the most interesting being that, of course, Sonarworks isn't affiliated with the manufacturers. They're their own company, kind of like Smith, sort of who are selling DSP correction. Whereas Odyssey, I think, is one of the few manufacturers who are who are in house saying, you know, here's how you can DSP our headphones. Oh, is that in-house? I never really uh, Odyssey, yeah. Odyssey has Reveal in-house and Sonarworks who are out of house and, and correct a lot of headphones, including Odyssey's. Okay. And of course, Odyssey also has Cypher. I, I can't believe that I forgot about that, but they've been yeah, increasingly hard. I was going to bring up the LCD i4 as an interesting um, example of what we're talking about. Um, and even the eye signs as well, same idea. I believe, um, I don't know if Odyssey actually advertises this, but um, at least Tile had talked about uh, when he reviewed the eye sign that it's optimized for, I believe they said THD um, instead of frequency response. And so instead of giving it a perfect FR, um, they are designed to be used with an EQ, uh, which is provided in, or just DSP in general. It may just be an EQ, it might be something else in addition to that. But anyway, 
um, and that gets you to the target that they're they're intending. So uh, it's interesting to see um, people taking that approach as well. That's different. Yeah, lots of new technology being developed in, in you know, many, many branches of this industry. Definitely DSP is one thing that uh, is going to be one thing everybody's looking at is, is going to be looking at because there's a good good chance that DSP is going to be what what will be used in most in most products uh, going on from now when uh, when it has been you know perfected and maybe scaled down to uh, to to a low enough price where they can apply it to more products and actually make it cost effective and more price points you know different different tiers of headphones, different, maybe even flagships, more more flagships than just the Sonoma or the, maybe the LCD i4, which are maybe the, the only two DSP flagships that I can think of right now, at least. And 90Q also. Oh, yeah, and then 90Q, yeah. I always forget about that one. but um, I think most people do, sadly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of a lost child of the flagship headphone world, actually. Yeah. But it's an interesting headphone nonetheless, and I'm glad that Tal covered it when he did. Um, Me too. And, you know, I, I do want to hear one, but they they don't seem to sell that well, it seems. Uh, I'm not, not, not completely sure. I don't know, not, I don't know any numbers, so uh, I don't want to say for sure, but I haven't seen many of them in the wild, to be, to be quite I honest. I have actually. I have actually heard one. Um, I'll just say briefly, um, the, the ear correction... Uh, that it seems to have um, that that measures, uh, I guess, the frequency response of your of your pinna. Maybe Mad knows more about what they're actually doing. But this this technology is also in the uh, the elite uh, the Everest Elite Seven Hundred, uh, and probably in the newer ones from that line as well. Uh, but it it sounded pretty flat to me. Um, really, really like Harmon E, but without the bass boost part of it, which was pretty interesting. Um, and if I calibrated it on my leg or something totally different, then the frequency response was completely different. So <laughs> um, it's uh, it's an interesting product. But did you try putting it on backwards and having it calibrate to your ears backwards? <laughs> I did not try that. <laughs> yeah. And then turn it back around. Possibilities. Yeah. Possibilities. You can tune into anything you'd like. Right. <laughs> All right. So, well, we've established that. Thank you for listening to the Headphone Dialogue episode 2. If you enjoyed this video, please subscribe and hit the bell icon to be notified whenever we upload new content. If you want to discuss this topic and more, you can join our Discord server by clicking the link in the description box below. Until next time, happy listening.